Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Altitude's undefeated. Crap, we will punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I always think I was running and starting <laughs> to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is the evening of Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. Uh, Just me tonight. Uh, If you weren't aware, listeners, Rabbi's got more important things going on as we are into day, let's see, Friday night. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we are into night six of Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights. Happy Hanukkah! to all those who are celebrating. Uh, and while we're at it, um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Merry Festivus, happy belated Bodhi Day to my fellow Buddhists out there. So uh, it's a wonderful holiday season. It is also a time of incredible busyness. Uh, Mark and I were going to podcast on Tuesday after the Andrew Gutman trade news broke and then found out that I was going to get um, some availability with the club to maybe provide important context on that. So then we punted the pod to Wednesday and Mark messaged me at around 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, 8.30 p.m. his time that he was exhausted and already going to bed. So Mark, uh, you've got a lot of uh, you got a lot on your plate, uh, literally and metaphorically right now. So um, my Hanukkah gift to you is a week off from the podcast and listeners uh, hopefully I'll be getting you a belated um, or an early Christmas gift uh, right before the Christmas weekend this time next week stay tuned on that front so uh, we are officially into the MLS silly season so I'm going to touch on a few of those and hopefully this will be a shorter podcast since it's just me tonight. I want to start by congratulating Columbus Crew who are the 2023 MLS Cup champions this past Saturday at lower.com field they defeated Los Angeles Football Club by a score of 2-1. to I thought Columbus was the better team. I thought they actually tried to play football um, and fundamentally they created more high-quality opportunities and then did more with those opportunities than LAFC did. Columbus were one of the most exciting teams throughout the whole of the 2023 MLS season. We're not always their best, but I think you can emphatically confirm that they were the team deserving to win MLS Cup when you talk about going on the road in a local rivalry against FC Cincinnati. Their house is rocking. You're down 2-0 at halftime, and you find a way to win that 3-2 in extra time. And then you come back home, and you play the defending MLS Cup champions, and you thoroughly outplayed them for 75, 80 minutes, I would say. And then the one thing that keeps LASC in the game or that made the last couple of minutes interesting was Dennis Buonga doing what Dennis Buonga does. Carlos Vela, um, virtually invisible. Ryan Hollingshead, um, very, very good right back for LAFC, got absolutely smoked on 
um, the what proved to be the game-winning goal, and absolutely fantastic play by the center back Almondson on that pass, and then that finish by Yeboah. That is a goal highlight that we are going to see uh, come MLS Cup playoff, MLS Cup final times for years and years to come. So congratulations to the crew, Mary Krumis, uh, and thank you for booing Don Garber as voraciously as you did. We'll move on, listeners, to the Rapids news of the week. As I mentioned, uh, the Colorado Rapids have traded Andrew Gutman to Chicago Fire. In exchange, they received 450 k in general allocation money. That is split 50-15 between 2024 and 2025, so 225k for both of those years. And then also they have received the starting left back for the Chicago Fire in Miguel Navarro, spelled just like Rafael Navajo's last name, N-A-V-A-R-R-O, but we have Navajo, and then we have Navarro. Um, so players with the same last name, but then different pronunciations. Hopefully, listeners, that will make um, life easier for you. Um, should be less confusing than when Porrick Smith was the GM of the Rapids, and then Tommy Smith was the center back for the Rapids. So um, let's start with this trade. I want to start with the emotional side of it, which a lot of Rapids fans were taken aback by this, surprised and really disappointed that one of the that the one absolute surefire good summer acquisition the Rapids had this season uh, from the summer, who was fantastic, who was electric, who was at times as good as 2021 Sam Vines for the Colorado Rapids, came in, was immediately electric. He thought, okay, absolutely going to be a part of the team. He runs a lot. He presses a lot. He can play, um, you know, Red Bullsy style soccer for... Chris Armas, and is an effective, important piece going forward. And effectively, the Rapids had him for six months and then dished him for a player who, if you look at his metrics, aren't necessarily as good. So I want to start off by saying that Rapids fans, like you have a right to have some level of skepticism and disappointment on this. And certainly, I think the front office does not get the benefit of the doubt on moves like this. Um, We'll start by comparing the actual two players. So for what it is worth, Andrew Gutman is um, one inch taller. He does weigh a little bit more than Navajo. Um, Navajo played, excuse me, I'm going to get these mixed up regularly, listeners. Uh, Navarro joined the Rapids in, excuse me, joined Chicago in 2020. He does have his green card, so he will not be an international player for the Rapids in 2024. And this past season, he made uh, 22 starts in Major League Soccer and amassed uh, 1,973 minutes, recording four assists. He did not score a goal for Chicago Fire. Uh, Glasshouse Soccer is a Chicago Fire podcast. I'm on speaking terms with them, and I asked them his initial thoughts on the move, and uh, this is what Glasshouse Soccer had to say. Quote, he, I won't miss him. He is a solid left back, left wing back, likes to push forward, and has some excellent crosses. He didn't contribute enough in the offense in that role, and he's not a good 1v1 defender. He also has a temper. There's a great clip of him in the Fires final game versus Charlotte uh, bickering with Enzo Capetti. Then Navarro just kicks his leg out, giving up a PK. Um, so... That has a lot of Lucas Estevez vibes, which is kind of a red flag. Um, 
I would maybe slightly disagree, or at least the some of the numbers would disagree with Glasshouse Soccer's take that he is not a good 1v1 defender. According to FB Rep, his defensive stats are very, very good, certainly by his age and for his position. Um, and there, there are some metrics in which he's better than Andrew Gutman. But I can understand the logic behind this move from the Rapids in terms of just the swapping out starting left backs in saying that we want a more defensive fullback. And so if we're going with a up-tempo 4-3-3 or possibly a Red Bulls like 4-2-2-2, you don't necessarily, you want your fullbacks to stay wide. You don't necessarily want them to get as forward or you don't want them to mainly be um, there for attacking reasons. So rather than having, I'm going to use a hockey analogy here, listeners, rather than having a Kale McCarr or an Eric Carlson you would want a Ryan McDonough or a Drew Doughty. Hopefully I didn't lose those of you who don't pay attention to hockey. But let's get into the stats. Uh, Rabbi had a really good tweet um, comparing the two players in terms of what they do at the fullback position. Uh, these stats are per ref, and so those look at quantifying various metrics that we evaluate players in certain categories, so attacking, passing possession, build-up-wise, and then what they do defensively without the ball. And so they quantify those stats based on a per 90 basis and also where they are for their position in MLS on a percentile basis. And so if you look at those stats in pretty much every single one of them, tackling, interceptions, blocks, clearances, aerials, one, Navarro is clearly the better player. He is in the 96th percentile for fullbacks in MLS for interceptions, uh, for example. Um, and then Gutman was in the 40th percentile. If you go and you look at the possession, build up what you do, transitioning into midfield, into possession-wise, Andrew Gutman is the better player on almost every single statistic. You get into the final third on volume in terms of what they do to create opportunities or get the ball into good areas. Gutman is the better player. The two stats in there in which Navarro is better is that he had better assists. He had one. He had .18 Assists per 90, good for a 90th percentile in MLS to Andrew Gutman's .08, which was 49th percentile. And then if you look at expected assists, so let's correct for the fact that Andrew Gutman spent half a year with some very good attackers in Giannoumakis, in uh, Tiago Lamada, and then the other half with bad strikers for the Rapids. And you compare that to um, Navarro, who was on a bad Chicago Fire team, but at the very least he had Kai Kamara. Um, you had um, Andrew Gutman at point. 09, good for 75th percentile, and then um, Navarro was uh, at 0.11, so 63 percentile at that point. So um, virtually, they're, they're within a standard deviation of the mean. So in this regard, they're very clearly two different style players, but then stylistically, you could see where this makes a little bit more sense. Spoke with Fran Taylor, the sporting director for the Rapids earlier today. And here's a quote from him about what they were looking at in terms of comparing the players. So here's the quote. Um, He brings a skill set that maybe is a bit more in line with what Chris Armas likes. He's aggressive. He's a two-way player. He has some end product. But but his recovery runs are massive. He's committed to get back into the shape. Uh, There were a few things uh, that were going through our thought process regarding Navarro. So... In that, I can see the logic behind the system. I know there's been uh, moving on to maybe where the impetus was to make this trade, given that Gutman had an option for 2024, which the Rapids picked up last month. Um, 
there was some speculation on Twitter that Gutman wanted a trade or that he um, specifically wanted out or demanded a trade even. I can confirm that was not the case. That being said, it's worth saying he's from the um, Hinesdale, Hinsdale neighborhood. Uh, it's a western suburb of Chicago. He grew up in Chicago. He was a Fire fan growing up, and then he was in their academy alongside Jonathan Lewis at one point but then never played for their first team. And then if you look at the first tweet that Gutman sent out after the trade was sent, he says, thank you at Colorado Rapids for helping me return home, exclamation mark. I want to wish the club, the fans, and the city all the best in the future, exclamation mark. And then Fran Taylor doubled down on that saying uh, in regards to um, Gutman's long-term future and wanting to keep him at the club, Quote, we would have needed to give him a long-term contract. He was a year away from free agency. Part of him saw himself in Chicago going home. That would have required a significant financial commitment on our um, on our part and Andrew to make that commitment as well, referring to them, uh, referring to the Rapids, keeping him from free agency would have had to give him a pay raise and then Gutman also being committed to that. Back to the quote, quote, uh, without um, without him out and saying it, he wanted at some point to go back to Chicago. We had to make a move to capture some value, end quote. Um, and then just to compare some numbers as well, if you're looking at salaries for the two players, uh, Gutman was on uh, 381k this year, and then Navarro was on 299k. Both of those are, according to the MLSPA, for... 2023 so not quite uh, 100k 90k difference in terms of salary and then uh, Navarro is guaranteed for 2024 there's an option for 2025 Navarro is 24 years old and I think Andrew Gutman is 27 Andrew Gutman is 27 years old um, and his birthday is in October so um, so you are getting a slightly cheaper player and you're getting one that um, you have a little bit more control in terms of their long-term future. And I think it's fair to say Andrew Gutman is one of the best domestic left backs in Major League Soccer and should be earning more than 400K. I could see him easily getting a 200K bump in that regard. And so that would have required a commitment from the club. And that would have required Andrew Gutman to be interested in that rather than testing free agency, opening up the possibility to go back to Europe. He spent some time at Celtic for example. Um, and then so the easiest out then maybe was um, was then trading him to assure that he doesn't walk. But so I think there's in that regard, there's some similarities to Kellen Acosta and that the Rapids cashed in and then did some wheeling and dealing and then some Rapids math to um, find value and move that player onto a good situation in which they could acquire that value. Um, and so in that regard, there's some similarity to Kellen Acosta in that the Rapids cashed in rather than maybe letting him walk in free agency to wherever he wanted to go. But then at the same time, you are, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of data that you are downgrading at the position in that Andrew Gutman is a better player than Miguel Navarro is. And so I could see where some Rapids fans see some parallels between going from Kellen Acosta to Brian Acosta. And then the big question is, what does this then mean for the club financially. So if we compare the Rapids acquisition of Andrew Gutman, um, they traded back in June for uh, him from Atlanta United and they gave Atlanta United 
400k in general allocation money. 300 of that was in 2023. 100k of that was for 2024. And then there was a 2023 international roster slot, roughly worth 100, 150k at this point. If we're going based off of um, the valuation that Nashville just traded four or five slots to three different teams for 825k earlier today, and then there were up to 150k in conditional gam. I don't know what those metrics were. Um, I have to imagine it was probably some combination of minutes played, starts, maybe some metrics in terms of clean sheets or goal contributions possibly, and then probably some team performance metrics in there. So in terms of just individual minutes played and appearances, Gutman probably hit those. Probably didn't hit any offensive or defensive metrics, um, given how bad the team was during his time here. And then I feel like it's safe to say if there was any metric in there on the Rapids doing anything for the season, they did not meet those, missing the playoffs and finishing bottom of the Western Conference. So if we do some Rapids math, and for those of you who haven't been on the internet in the last two months, there's uh, there was a trend that started talking about girl math, and then there was boy math, and now there's dog math, cat math, and a bunch of other ones. So for example, um, girl math would be uh, if uh, you put on a cute outfit, but then didn't take a picture, and then nobody important saw you, then you didn't actually wear um, a cute outfit. I saw a funny boy math joke about Elon Musk, where it's uh, buying a social media platform that's valued at $30 million you buy it for $44 million, and then through your genius and innovative business ideas, you make it an $8 billion company. Um, and then maybe cat math or dog math would be that um, you know if your bowl is full, then your bowl is full. If your bowl is only 90% full, then your bowl is effectively empty. So hopefully you get the idea now. Um, and so let's look at some Rapids math, given that they view and do things from a domestic MLS standpoint in a certain way. They see valuations and assets and the league mechanisms in a way that's maybe a little bit unique to their situation. And so in those idiosyncrasies, we have Porrick Smith's view on things, um, and that could be Porrick math, Rapids math, Rapids way math. So functionally, if you just look at the amount of GAM exchange, guaranteed GAM, it was 400k that they sent to um, Atlanta, and then the other guaranteed asset was um, an internet, was the half a season of an international roster spot. So let's call that 550, and then in return you get 450 in GAM back. If you look at that, um, if we're wiping out the fact that the 2023 GAM is null and void because it's no longer uh, it's uh, an expired asset, effectively they got six months of Andrew Gutman, or they traded Andrew Gutman net for 125k in GAM for this year, 225k in GAM for next year. And so effectively, they roughly, you know, depending on the performance metrics, maybe probably just about broke even, plus or minus 100K in general allocation money. And then Navarro was free. So if you're waiting for the, the punchline here on what Rapids math is, is that you broke even on GAM for Andrew Gutman, and then Navarro was a free, albeit lesser, but maybe better fitting left back or a younger left back who costs less, you have more control in terms of his future, who maybe is a slightly better fit, but um, is a project that's going to need to be worked on in terms of being a younger player and a player who has some um, some personality concerns as well there. Um, and then the other thing that I kind of also have to worry about from a cultural standpoint, I should ask I should ask Armas, given his Puerto Rican roots, how he is on his Spanish and then how he goes about building a locker room. But if you're thinking about Navarro coming into a Rapids team that has good culture, I think it's fair to say that the you know Los Locos de los Rapids isn't there anymore because Brian Acosta's gone, Michael Barrios gone, Diego Rubio 
gone. So if we just look at native Spanish speakers from Central and South America who uh, Navarro could get along with or interact with, you've got Brian Govan, of course. Uh, Cole Bassett has been taking Spanish li- Spanish lessons and actually has been doing some media availability in Spanish. And then if William Yarbrough resigns, then you've got him. I don't know how many of the um, French guys maybe know any Spanish. I have to imagine Kevin Cabral would have learned multiple languages growing up. And given that his English isn't that great, maybe Spanish was one of those, maybe Italian, German. I'm just guessing at this point to be honest, but, you know, yeah, like, Los Locos de los Rapids is, I think, at best down to um, three players. Um, Oh, I should say that um, the Portuguese guys know enough Spanish as well to where they can interact a little bit, so then maybe uh, Navajo and Navarro can interact, and then maybe um, a little bit of Sidney Tavares as well, but so I, I do think there's a valid question how the club goes about integrating Navarro into the Rapids and what cultural connections they can make there, given that that South American connection, you know, isn't as good as it was, um, you know, when, you know, say in the 2021 season, when you had Nicholas Mosquita on the team, for example, and he was there being vibesy and, um, you know, football's life and Spanish speaking. Um, Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at U.S. Border Patrol. Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I think that does it for what I've got to say about uh, Gutman and Navarro. So let's move on to some rumors. Uh, we'll start chronologically with this with Zach Steffen. Um, Tom Bogert was reporting late last week that the Rapids are in advanced talk with Zach Steffen, U.S. international, um, who's owned by Manchester City, formerly of the Columbus Crew. He went there for $7 million reportedly uh, in the summer of 2019. He's never really broken in with the first team. He was a meh. Cup goaltender, goalkeeper by Manchester City standards and expectations. Um, he was on loan this past European season, so 2022 to 2023, with, with Middlesbrough. He was starting, but so poor on form that he basically, in a matter of six months, played his way out from being the starter over Matt Turner for the U.S. men's national team into straight up not even making the squad for the Qatar World Cup, and then Millsboro ultimately made the playoff, but then lost on aggregate to Coventry in the two-leg semifinal. He has not played this European season, so so far 2023-2024, he hasn't played the first half due to a knee injury. I have to assume at this point now with just where how long he's been at the club, the fact that he hasn't embedded, and how well Edison is playing for Manchester City, that he's probably looking for an out, and so does that mean loans with an option to buy until his contract expires and then he's a free agent if it comes to that or is he looking for a soft landing spot and that would preferably be in major league soccer given how some of his loans um, throughout Europe have gone I think he got relegated with Dusseldorf he was with them at one point and then obviously Middlesbrough fairly was unsuccessful based on the expectations that they had in bringing him in I don't know what to make of this to be honest listeners I think that my views on this will come down to if it does happen 
the conditions of it. If we're talking a loan, a free loan with an option to buy, and he's not making any more money than William Yarbrough was or William Yarbrough was offered by the Rapids in the last couple of weeks, I can get on board with this. If they are acquiring Stefan and there's a transfer fee, like unless it is super menial, there's no way, there's no way the Rapids are dropping $7 million to have Manchester City break even on that. But even if we're talking a steep discount of a million dollars, I can't rationalize that when, you know, Marco Ilicha was one of the top five, I heard one of the top five guaranteed transfer fees that the Rapids have ever paid externally outside of the league. You know, if you're if you're paying a transfer fee for Zach Steffen, I can't rationalize spending that money. Uh, and there's there's two things that would have me be super concerned there. One, that's then a statement that Marco Ilicha is not good enough to be the starter or there's some doubts around him. And then in there, that is an admission that the acquisition of him was a poor decision or at the very least a poor allocation of funds in the summer when you could have done something else. You could have um, spent that money on acquiring, on permanently acquiring a midfielder of Tavares's caliber or you could allocate that money towards the eventual check the Rapids are going to have to pay if they decide to make Rafael Navajo permanent. Or the other aspect of this is that it's a poor allocation of funds now in terms of any penny that you spend on a transfer fee for Zach Steffen could be going towards the acquisition of Jack Price's replacement, Diego Rubio's replacement. Um, I have called, I've been saying that the Rapids need a winger as well. There's a few other, there's other positions that are more of more significant need. And so then why are you potentially dropping a transfer fee, a loan fee, a salary bump in terms of how much you're spending on all three goalkeeper positions when you, in theory, already had your goalkeeper of the future, acquired him in the spring, locked him down permanently in the summer. Something in there has to be an indication that, um, you know, that, that something was handled poorly or that you no longer have the confidence in terms of the squad build than you did previously. Um that being said, Zach Steffen is at his best when he's starting week in, week out. I think there's enough uh, enough anecdotal evidence in terms of what I've seen from Ilicha that Zach Steffen is better with his feet. So if build-out play and then focusing on possession at times is going to be important for Chris Armas, I could see that as well. But I, I think if you're just looking at what should the Rapids be doing financially, I think you bet on Marco on coming good and becoming a really good starter for you with some potential upside sale um given it'd be easy for him to go back to europe possibly an opportunity with the serbian national team and then you sign a cheap backup spend that money elsewhere um and then given adam Bodri is turning 18 i think in april it's certainly in the first half of calendar year 2024 you sign him to a homegrown and have him keep doing what he's doing with r2 and incubate him with the youth national team is hopefully the actual future of the goalkeeping position for the rapids given that a rodriguez was not that I think that does it for my thoughts on Zach Steffen. Uh, let me know what you think on this, listeners. There's another really good analogy that I thought of for the show. I've been re-watching Futurama recently. They just had over the summer, over the fall, um, a reboot of the show on Hulu. And there's a character on Futurama called uh, uh, Professor Farnsworth. He's this crazy mad scientist in the future. He builds doomsday devices and robots and other stuff. And two of his um, kind of counter inventions that he has are the Angry Dome, which is basically a um, a panic room, crisis room that also is a contained bubble. 
There's a episode in the most recent season that just dropped on Hulu where they do a parody spoof of a pandemic with a new variant of COVID-19, and then another character contracts the new variant of COVID, and they uh, they isolate them in the Angry Dome. The new variant of COVID also makes you angry in addition to the other COVID symptoms. So uh, Dr. Farnsworth uh, sends uh, sends uh, Taranga Leela to the Angry Dome. And then the other invention that he has is the Chamber of Understanding, where he just kind of sits there and is super inquisitive until he has an aha moment and there's a chalkboard and he can do some calculations and some thinking and other things. So um, I would say for most of the moves so far that have happened this season or that have happened this silly season this week, listeners, I am in the Chamber of Understanding. I want more information on what's going on with Zach Steffen if that happens, and my view on that will be conditional on the nature of the acquisition of Steffen. And most of how I feel about the Andrew Gutman trade is whether or not Navarro can be him. Um, if this is a like-for-like like or a better position, or one that puts the left-back position in long-term better hands than it was under uh, Lucas Estevez or uh, Alex Gershbach, then I can be here for it. If this is a downgrade from similar to Kellen Acosta to Brian Acosta, then I'm really worried about the direction that this front office is taking the club. I don't know how you tear down this team and make it worse than it was in 2023. Um, God help us on that. So uh, let me know on social media whether or not you are in the Angry Dome or the Chamber of Understanding on all of these moves. Speaking of things that should make you angry or should have you wanting to be understood, um, listeners, there's been some reports uh, out of Brazil that have been conflicting regarding the future of Max Alves. I think some of these are F-tier rumors and they've straight up gotten things wrong or misconstrued them. Either that or Google Translate is really, really bad at converting um, Brazilian Portuguese into American English. But so I'm, I'm not going to list the outlets if you Google News search Max Alves, or just look at um, what other members of the Raptors community have been posting on social, you'll be able to find them easily. But one outlet was saying that the Rapids are likely to have Max back and that that is all going to get sorted, that Chris Armas wants him and there's nothing on the league front that is conflicting with him potentially playing. I can confirm that that is not the case. The investigation that is going down right now still in Brazil has not concluded. There's been no announcement as far as a timeline or statements on any individuals as far as the their portion of the investigation wrapping up or a decision coming down on that. And what's going on in terms of a potential FIFA inquiry into all of these players, including Max, and the MLS investigation specifically into Max, those two things cannot conclude until we have a verdict in terms of what's going on with Max, in terms of whether there's a fine, there's any legal implications, whether or not he's uh, going to be incarcerated, any of that that all has to get sorted back in brazil where he is right now listeners there's a uh, thing posted circulating on social where he took a photo with some people and he was actually wearing an austin fc shirt so not that all has to get sorted before anything happens in which mls would reinstate him or the rapids availability report has max anything other than removed from all team activities there's then another report circulating that there is a Brazilian club that is interested in Max. I have heard separately that there are, I haven't been able to confirm this to be clear, that there are rumblings that there are multiple Brazilian clubs. I don't know what division yet um, or what tier of the pyramid are interested in Max Alves. And I don't know how, um, I don't know how MLS would handle 
the Rapids then going through the league and saying that we've received a transfer offer for Max, we've accepted it, and that he has negotiated terms with that club, and they're about to sign a contract. I do not know, and I have not heard, of how the league would handle that, given the investigations that are ongoing. But so, uh, that is something to keep in mind and I have to think at some point with how this is dragged on and maybe the club has more info on this than I do they probably do um at the very least they at the very least if they call Max Alves's representation he'll probably uh, the you know his agent will probably pick up um I have to wonder at what point you know the the, the news broke in early May um you reportedly paid a million dollars in a transfer fee for him you're keeping him on the roster. He's got a guaranteed contract uh, for next year. He's taking up a U22 slot. He's taking up an international roster slot. You're paying him, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. At what point does any menial transfer fee purely, if nothing else, to free up the U22 slot and then get this, have this headache not be something that you have to plan for from a roster standpoint or really be a, a dead cap hit and a dead roster hit in terms of that? At what point does that make more sense to you you know I, I can tell you right now if I was in poor Smith's position and there was a Brazilian club that offered me 300k in a transfer fee so you make back a third of what you did but then you free up the U22 slot um you know free up an international roster slot that's worth you know 200k and change right there for the year at what point does that become a logical decision and so that, that's a really good question it'd be hard for me if I was in the front office's uh, situation and not think that's probably a really good deal. Um, and I think there, there's even some uh, some head calculus, some rapids math where it would even potentially make sense to take, I don't know if a free transfer, I don't know if you could argue that to Josh and Uncle Stan in terms of, hey, you guys potentially wrote a, uh, reportedly wrote a million dollar check and then now we're giving up that asset completely for free. But, um, you know, I, I have to wonder if nothing else from a PR standpoint and a future headache and planning standpoint, is it worth it to just cut bait, get a menial transfer fee, and then move on with a player who doesn't have this huge cloud of um, negativity and uncertainty around their future going on there? Looking ahead to the rest of the MLS offseason, um, free agency has officially begun. By the time that you're listening to this, uh, we should be at least at the start of the reentry draft process as well um and you know we're just a couple weeks out now from the mls super draft where the colorado rapids have the second overall pick that is their natural first round pick they have the number four pick they acquired that from the la galaxy in trading michael barrios they have the number 12 pick um that was from charlotte um from the trade that was made in the draft last year the number 21 pick, that is St. Louis's pick uh, that was involved in the Anthony Marcanis trade. And then they have their natural third, second and third round draft picks, so at number 31 and number 60. So the second, the fourth, the 12th, the 21st, the 31st, the 60th picks in the drafts. Five draft picks overall, two of them in the top 10, three of them in the top half, four first round draft picks. There's going to be the Rapids are going to have multiple generation Adidas players to choose from at number two and number four. There's possible there's possibility that a GA player falls to number 12. And this is saying nothing of the fact that underclassmen are now available in to be selected in the Super Draft as well. So that immediately, what, two, three Xs almost, the number of players that are available 
to use. So I, I think the draft is going to be a really big deal given the number of draft picks the Rapids have, given where the Rapids are from a roster standpoint, given that they uh, Rapids math values GA contracts almost as much as um, as homegrowns effectively. There's so many mechanisms in which Moise Bombito is almost a Rapids homegrown from a financial and a roster flexibility standpoint. So they're taking that very seriously. I think free agency is really interesting. Obviously, there's uh, a greater free agent pool given how the MLSPA and the CBA has changed the conditions and the requirements for agency that would have made Andrew Gutman or will make Andrew Gutman a free agent if uh, Chicago Fire doesn't uh, secure him the bag in the next 12 months. Um, just looking, just skimming through the players that are available through free entry, and this is just in my personal opinion, I don't see a lot of value there. I don't see a player that I think really clearly can fill any one of the big gaps that the Rapids have. Obviously, they're negotiating with some players. There's some players that is poor mismentioned in the Chris Armas press conference that there's some players that are contracted on the roster right now for the club that the Rapids are going to be looking at moving on. So is there a bench depth guy somewhere in there? Is there a you know guy number 22, 23 on the roster that the Rapids could pick up maybe on a deal or at the very least fill a spot for right now through the reentry draft? I think possibly. Um, I don't know that they're a super attractive team right now from a free agency standpoint. Um, the rules that have that, listeners, is that the is that there's based on where you are in terms of years of experience, uh, with years of service within the league, and then also your where you are in terms of tiered of how much you were getting paid. There's a certain percentage maximum that you can get in free agency, and then there's a maximum that the club that had you last effectively the MLS equivalent of your bird rights can offer you a greater salary bump a greater pay raise than any other team in MLS can so the Rapids could potentially um, outbid other MLS teams or offer as much as other MLS teams and then maybe the team that the player finished up the season with uh, doesn't give them an offer or they don't want to return there but you know if you look at where the Rapids have gotten value in terms of free agents it's mostly veterans and it's mostly um ones where it was kind of a sweetheart deal. Alan Gordon didn't have a whole lot of opportunities, and the Rapids were giving him a clear opportunity to get regular minutes. Drew Moore was coming home, and then um, I think they traded for Stephen Betacher, and then I'm not sure if uh, there was a an option declined in terms of what uh, went on with Beta. Um, happy retirement. That's a reminder to me. I'll, I'll get back to you in a minute, Stephen Betacher. Um but then it, it, then you're looking at getting veteran players for a sweetheart deal who are, again, not going to fill out the bulk of your roster. So do I think the Rapids in the reentry draft are getting a Brian Acosta who will be a regular starter, be a top 10 um, uh, budget charge on the Rapids this season, and then will play 1,500, 2,000 minutes? Probably not. And if there is a free agent, there's probably going to be some conditions um, associated with that. They might not be as in high demand. The Rapids might have to pay in order to get value, or chances are the Rapids are getting value, but at a guy who ultimately isn't going to move the needle significantly for the team in terms of their on-field contributions. Stephen Betisher, congratulations on an absolutely fantastic career. Beta posted on Twitter slash X earlier today that he is formally retiring. Um, and so I'll just I'll briefly skim what you know he mentioned and everything. Uh, he played 14 years entirely in Major League Soccer. 
absolute legend uh, with the Goonies, with the San Jose Earthquakes. Spent some time at Vancouver Whitecaps. Obviously won some trophies at um, LAFC and Toronto FC. I believe he was on that Supporter Shield team for San Jose Earthquakes in 2012. And then finished out with the Colorado Rapids. He was um, a fringe player at one point with the um, Iranian national team. And he was a member of the 2024-2014 World Cup squad where he uh, was an unused sub in all three of those games. But just an, an absolutely fantastic left back, super reliable defensively, took care of his body. I, I can confirm, like, listeners, he was top five on the team this year in terms of how he took care of his body. Probably the only bad decision that he maybe made all season was choosing to have a half a glass of wine and then a little bit of dessert at burgundy affair um he was a true pro he was a constant professional if you look at his social media platforms he posted on twitter he posted on on instagram and the comment section for both of those are blowing up with former teammates a number of younger teammates who had nothing but nice things to say about him so steven Badisher, you will ultimately effectively retire a colorado rapid i don't know that people remember you with the Colorado Rapids, I think um, from an MLS standpoint, we don't get a lot of um, Iranian national team players. Uh, certainly, you'll always have a soft spot for San Jose, um, you know, where you really started your career. And then obviously the greatest heights that you had as a veteran, no nonsense, get the job done. Not a star player, but an important blue guy, glue guy for LAFC and for Toronto FC. And good luck in terms of whatever um, goes on next. I have to imagine listeners that you know beta i i have it on good authority that he still very much was interested in playing i have to think that there just probably weren't offers coming in there would have been you know he took a significant pay cut the last couple of years to you know hang around with the colorado rapids i don't imagine that there were many financially lucrative opportunities in the usl championship or anywhere else lower and so at that point you know do you want to do you want to make league minimum and then move your family again with two young children to DC to make 60k and then have to pay rent in the DC metro area. I think at some point that kind of calculus makes sense. I know he has some interest in at least I I heard from him in the past just very fleetingly that you know a couple of years ago that he had some interest in coaching. I would not mind him. I wouldn't mind having him uh, in the Rapids Academy somewhere in the next six to 12 months once he got his badges. I could absolutely see him. I, I could see in two months' time San Jose announcing him that he's joined the organization in some capacity given his connections to the Bay Area. But um, congratulations on a great career, Beta. You were fantastic with the media. You were fantastic with the fans. You followed a bunch of fans on Twitter upon arriving before you had even gotten settled and moved in. Um, and you were always nice to me from a media standpoint. Um, you weren't perfect. You were an older version of yourself, um, but uh, a fantastic left back in Major League Soccer for 14 years for five different clubs. And uh, you're uh, the hardware that you've acquired certainly speaks for that, to say nothing of your individual stats and contributions. What else do I want to talk about, listeners? I've gone on for almost 45 minutes. Oh, um, uh, we haven't podcasted since I dropped the 2,200-word um, article on um, the uh, exit interview that myself, Mitchell Carroll from DNVR, and Brendan Plone had with uh, Jack price um so i'll just i'll include a link in the show notes for the sickos who want to go through and read it for those of you who haven't i'll just skim over some of the key things um the comments that uh we've received publicly from pork smith kind of alluded to or even slightly suggested 
that this was a decision on Jack's end, and I can confirm that it was a little bit more nuanced than that. I think it's fair to say it was a mutual parting of ways where both sides had some interest, but ultimately negotiations broke down, and then ultimately they decided to go their separate ways. Um, in the summer, Price did meet with Pork, and they did offer him a contract. They were pretty much decided at that point, given his Achilles injury, that they were not going to pick up his team option for 2024, which would have been around a million dollars in uh, total compensation, um, or close to that. He was on 825k for 2023. Um, and uh, here's an exact quote from Jack Price. Uh, I was offered a contract another year to stay on. I told me he turned it down. I felt the offer was quite disrespectful. I felt it was a little bit of a kick in the balls, to be honest, end quote. That is an exact quote. I have heard from an unreliable source, have been unable to confirm this, that the offer was either one year or one with the team option at 400k. So effectively, um, you know, a 50% pay cut, um, have not been able to confirm that again, to be clear, listeners, price never got his green card, despite playing six years in MLS. I'm kind of surprised by that, to be honest. Um, but you know, if you figure that that's worth 200k, the Rapids are probably thinking from a Rapids math standpoint, that paying for Jack Price as opposed to going to get a domestic player was effectively 650 650k in terms of cash going in there and so maybe if price had gotten his green card last year two years ago maybe then they could have offered 550 600 whether or not that would have been enough for jack um i don't know i did not ask him i did i had not heard that 400k rumored number um by the time that he and i um by the time that we had that conversation so they circled back with a couple of weeks to go in the season he was asking for for money he indicated that he did want to stay he felt that the number that was offered um, was something that he could get back home if he went back to England. Um, he is expecting another child along the way. Hugo is two, three years old, I think now. Um, that's his son. Um, and so um, the club kind of came back and said there was going to be a little bit more, but not much, maybe some performance metrics, but that was really going to be about it. So with a month, a couple weeks to go in the season at that point, I think they all knew that uh, what the outcome was going to be. And Price did kind of allude to that he kind of already had made up his mind and um, was maybe frustrated at or felt disrespected by the initial offer and then also how long it took for the um, the chain of communication to come through. He kind of felt that um, being a, as good of a servant of the club that maybe that should have been a little bit more prompt or sorted a little bit earlier. Um, but I, I should be clear, there's no bad blood um, and both entities, uh, both sides have um, left the door open in terms of things return um, in terms of him returning. So let's say Price gets... Um, a contract in January plays absolutely fantastically, proves that he's back from the Achilles injury. And then, you know, it's the, hey, maybe I don't want to be in England. Maybe the family really misses the mountains or something like that. Or, you know, I just, I want to get back to MLS rather than the championship or, you know, having to go play against Wrexham for Shrewsbury Town. Um, you know, the club indicated, you know, hey, give us a call if you want to come back and we can renegotiate if we're on the same page financially. And Price said that he didn't leave that out. Um, in terms of what's next, Price is rehabbing his injury. Um, I don't know if he's still following his uh, return-to-play protocol that the Rapids had for him, but he's working with a physio at Shrewsbury Town. He is back in Shrewsbury, where he grew up, and um, he's hoping for um, an opportunity either in the championship or in the upper third, upper half of, upper quarter, excuse me, of the EFL uh, League One, the third division. I should say right now Shrewsbury Town are mid-table in League One, at time of recording, and so he's probably thinking a short-term, like a six-month contract, and then maybe that's proof of concept to where then 
um, you know, a proper championship team maybe then comes in for him, or at least he has a better idea of where he's at from a fitness standpoint and a recovery standpoint. And then um, clubs are also um, uh, have a better idea of that as well, that he could, you know, go around England. Um, he is talking to a club, so there is some interest as well. So we'll see um, what goes on and what that looks like. Um, uh, what else is there? Um, I, I do want to say, I, I do want to thank Debbie Price, um, who is absolutely fantastic um, is, as a member of the Rapids community, dare I say a meme, um, with just her comments and the way that she interacted with the fan base. And despite having only been to Colorado, you know, a handful of times, I met her the first time. Sam Nicholson um, absolutely memed me and Rabbi when we were waiting outside to talk to somebody, not Price, but Price was in showering or doing some gym work or whatever. And um, Debbie and Mr. Price, apologies to Jack's dad, I don't know your name off the top of my head. We're waiting outside and Sam Nicholson walks by and then just jokingly introduces us. And so we start talking. So um, Debbie will be a missed member of the Rapids community. Community. And whenever I do a podcast with, um, you know, a, a fan podcast that covers the team that Jack Price next signs for, I will absolutely be plugging the legendary Debbie P um, and uh, to that fan base as well. Um, Price was really apologetic and took some responsibility for how things turned out in 2023 and not being able to ultimately save um, Robin Frazier's job. He said that he felt guilty um, and he actually called Robin to apologize and he was really empathetic. Uh, about the Max situation, you know, he's hoping that he can come back and that um, he can play. And really, um, this is just his opinion. I haven't talked to a lot of players about this. Most of them have been pretty tight-lipped, but he really expressed empathy that Max kind of got himself in that situation or felt that he needed to in order to take care of his family. Um, and so I, I thought that um, I thought that you know spoke well of um, Jack Price's character. Um, I don't know that Jack gets into the Gallery of Honor based on the threshold for the inductees that have happened so far i think price would have had to play a little bit more you know in that instagram or in the twitter post that he had about it you know he said six years it was really five and a half in terms of the amount that he was playing he came in during the middle of a rebuild that wasn't great and he had a fantastic uh 18 months with them between 2020 and then how he did in 2021 um if you just look at the stats in terms of the rapids with him versus without him um you know they're at 1.45 points per game with Jack Price in the lineup and then they're right around one point per game without him so they are comfortably not a playoff team and in certain years competing for the wooden spoon without Jack Price and with him they are comfortably a playoff team and comp and even potentially competing for a home playoff game in that first round as well um, the club has a really uh, long history of fantastic number sixes and two-way midfielders and he absolutely checks the box there and so I, I think if there's any player from that 2021 season that you really want to highlight in terms of getting into the gallery of honor, I think the only other player you could argue other than Jack Price would have to be, I don't think you get Diego Rubio. I don't think just him doing singularly what he did in 2022 is enough over a Connor Casey and Omar Cummings, for example. Um, and the only other player from 2021 I would include there would be Cole Bassett. And that's probably contingent on what Cole does in the future. Um, and I could see where if, you know, where Cole just accumulates a bunch of stats, either as a homegrown or just generally as a player where he does that. And certainly if he leaves the club on good terms, finally makes it and Europe does some stuff with the national team is successful in Europe to where eventually 
um, number 23 or number 26 will be hanging in the rafters in the case of the Rapids. But if the threshold for the next Gallery of Honor inductee is to be better than Jack Price, then I think that speaks well of what the Gallery of Honor is. Um, and that's a compliment to Jack, even if ultimately he doesn't get inducted in that regard. Um, Shropshire, Pirlo, um, Burgundy, Roy Kent, um, a meme of a human being, um, and, you know, we'll always have 2021 Jack, uh, roly poly dinky doodle. I think that'll do it for us, folks. Um, I want to thank you for listening to Holding the Highline. Follow us on the socials at Rapids96Podcast. Check out our substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at LWS Matt Pollard. Uh, most of my content written-wise is at burgundywave.com. Like I said, I'm hoping we're going to have a holiday special episode that is going to be topical and exclusive for you come the 22nd, 23rd of December. And then other than that, you will probably not hear from us until after the new year unless some crazy breaking news happens. So I want to thank you for all the support and everything you've done for the podcast and the Rapids community this season. Shout out to all of our Highliners who obviously uh, bought all of our pint glasses. I was not expecting us to sell out this year, and we did. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, and look, it's been a crappy year, but I have vitality and purpose in what I do because of how all of you interact with us. And that means even more when the team's down bad, doing this podcast isn't fun, and the um, and then thus people consuming content about their team that's having a really crappy season is not that fun either. Um, I won't name names because I haven't, I didn't ask for permission. I don't want to dox people, but I've met four Highliners in the last couple of weeks since Burgundy Affair who I've met through various situations who wanted to meet up IRL and just talk soccer with me. And every single one of you who I've interacted with has been fantastic and not super fanboy or fangirly. So I want to um, give it, you know, you know who you are. So um, thank you to those people. And I look forward to continuing these friendships and these interactions, um, you know, with this Rapids community. Um, so with that, listeners, um, happy Hanukkah, um, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year, Merry Festivus, Merry Winter Solstice. Um, wherever you're celebrating this time, um, happy that. Um, and we will see you in 2024. Roly poly dinky doo. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.